So, before we dive into uh, the lesson on the rich man, poor man, Christ lesson, what is this, Craig, eight, nine? Um, can you guys, well, I had it up there for a little while, but let's see how good your uh, short-term memory is. What was our two-week-ago um, lesson? Can, can people remember? Was that slide, whatever, with the uh, four pictures on the red that you had up there before? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see if we can get this to... Uh... Slide 19. Or sorry, slide slide 20. Is that thing shared now with everybody? I'm not sharing anything at this point in time. All right. Hopefully something's up there. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Judy, for the thumbs up. <laughs> I'm feeling all alone. I'm not seeing your shared screen. It, it's got to be my problem then. <laughs> okay. So you're not seeing the, the PowerPoint and... Not from your. No. We can't see it either. Huh, it must be Riverdale Internet. <laughs> the Johnsons are in Riverdale with me. All right. We're, we're having a fun time with Skype tonight, so. Well, open your flip books. <laughs> if you have your flip books with you, we could use that one. Your little, who is God and why should I care? Does anybody have that handy? It'll be pages or page. Um, our review pictures will be uh, 41. Wow, that, we'd have a big jump in that flip book actually. Will be forty one, really. Forty one, forty two. We didn't do that one actually, but forty one will be your I think your one of your, your cues, forty forty one. What was our lesson two weeks ago? <clears throat> we, we we've been talking lots of Jesus' names. Along the last several lessons, and then, and then two weeks ago, we were, uh, the hook was Jesus further what? Y'all should just take your mics off, because I can't see nothing. So it's all I got. <laughs> take your mute off. You can't see anything, Brent? I, I can't see anything. I can't hear anything. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus, further for you. Yeah, yeah. So... What were some of the names that, that uh, we started to talk on further? We had sort of these high and exalted names and these low and uh, lowly names, so to speak. Prophet, priest, king. Right? If those who can see the screen have cheat notes now, so. I'm feeling very handicapped because I have no idea what you're sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Prophet, priest, he's our high priest. He mediates on our behalf. Um, there was the gatekeeper, good shepherd. Yeah. Yep. The way, the truth, and the life. 
Yeah, the way, the truth, life. Right on. Is there anything that God has been... Oh, sorry? Son of God, son of man. Yeah. That came up with the bronze serpent being lifted up. Just as the son of man, or just as the serpent was lifted up, so must the son of man be lifted up. Good. Um, so you've had two weeks to, you know, of time since we met last. Has there been things that have stirred up or rubs since the last lesson and until and today that has kind of applied to who Jesus is to you? Because we, we touched on this, um, you know, it doesn't matter that you just believe in Jesus. It's all of what do you believe in Jesus? So as, as in that lesson, as he revealed more of who he is as God, um, was there things that came up as uh, in your life? this last couple of weeks you, you'd be willing to share? I know, I'll share. <laughs> Pick me, teacher. Pick me. <laughs> Kier, Kier, <laughs> someone told me you're supposed to leave seven seconds. I'm good at leaving about two seconds. So if you don't fire after two seconds, you lost your chance. I know you guys are chomping at the bit, but... Something that I've been thinking more of and just challenged in, in, in my walk with, with God is this uh, idea of, um, you know, his, his, him being my true master, you know, my true Lord, uh, you know, just what are areas in my life that I haven't surrendered. And um, my, <clears throat> my father-in-law and, and mother-in-law who planted a church in, in amongst the Pume in Venezuela, they actually didn't have a, have a name for God. And so they came up with like a three three word or three name name for your God and they call him Lord owner boss and so I've been thinking more about that as we, we have even as I've revisited you know Jesus revealing more of who he is and just thinking is Jesus my Lord owner and boss like am I submitting in all those ways so that's something I've been just kind of thinking more on you know what what haven't I surrendered <laughs> Myself, the, uh, the good shepherd. In, in my reading this past week, one of the stories was about uh, again the shepherd that left the, the ninety-nine and went to find the one, and just the uh, the idea of the value of, of the one. Uh, and for you know, as in praying through that passage, just trying to find the how was that one, the one that he, he valued enough to go and find. So yeah, just uh, love that image of the good shepherd. Mm. In my Bible reading this about a week ago, there's a passage in Proverbs that uh, says the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory comes from the Lord. And just that, uh, yeah, there there is some things like not talk about our salvation. Our salvation is fully through Christ, but there is some things that God calls us to do, but to recognize that ultimately. It is his doing uh, that uh, where the victory comes in. Hmm. Yeah. Right on. Well, um, it's good that we continue to to grow. <laughs> it's good that we continue to think upon these things as we revisit truths that many of us have mulled over more than once already and um so tonight as we go in um 
our primary our primary takeaway or hook uh, for this lesson will be uh, choices in this life affect our eternity. Um, and there's obviously one big primary choice, <laughs> and then there's secondary to that. But um, basically, how how we live our lives affects eternity. I mean. I know here in this group, I'm talking amongst brothers and sisters, um, but even within brothers and sisters, choices now affect eternity. But foundationally, we want to look at what what is what is eternity and what does that look like? And um, I mean, there's not just one eternity. There's there's two sides of eternity. Um, so Jesus is going to challenge us again to live in light of his kingdom, his kingdom rule. Um, his his authority and eternity. Um, I think one of the things Joy and I were just talking about this week to ourselves as you know missionaries in in the Yukon is here. It's actually more difficult I find to be in full time ministry than in Papua New Guinea because here it's like I can get swept up with my own culture, my own you know busyness, and and I think that's just a risk that all of us run, you know, missionary or not, just as an ambassador of God, of Jesus Christ, um, we can get distracted uh, for what really matters. And if we can get our, if, if, if the enemy gets our eyes off of eternity um, with this brief time that we have here on earth, man, that's, uh, it's a sad thing. So, I mean, we work, a lot of people end up working hard to, to live comfortably, searching for the bigger and better um, but tonight we wanna we wanna pull back the curtain on eternity and, and look at at the the realness of what's there and um, we'll be looking in in Luke. Uh, we sent an email out to you guys with a few passages. Um, we'll be focusing largely on on the rich man and Lazarus, and as time permits, toward the end we'll kind of capstone it a bit with um, the rich young ruler, the rich young man. Um, so we'll see here, Jesus, in a sense, is turning things upside down, so to speak, but he's right side upping, you know, he's bringing in the new. Um, so it'll be, hopefully you guys are looking forward to tonight. I think when we look at eternity, it's a real awesome time just to get to get revved up again and to get your your perspective straight on, on how we're going to face, you know, tonight and tomorrow and each moment. And I mean, each day we need to revisit the thought that we've got eternity before us. This is brief, you know. Um, we can dive into the passage. I don't know if you want to take over at this point, Craig. Um, okay, well, I mean, we gave you two passages to look at in the, the email that Brent sent out, but we're going to focus on the, the rich man and Lazarus. Um, that's going to be our main passage for tonight. So, um, so why don't we read that first? It's uh, yeah, Luke 16. Verses 19 through 31. So Luke 16, 19 through 31. Is there anyone who's feeling dramatic today? You know, really wants to read a story? You don't feel dramatic necessarily. Just... <laughs> There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. 
The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Right, thank you. Um, this particular story, I mean, it's in a, it's in a context of Jesus' teaching, where uh, back in Luke um, 15, 1 and 3, it gives you sort of the context of this of this passage it's where jesus is, is teaching and there's a says that there's a group of group of tax collectors and sinners you know in quotes um and they're gathered around him and there are also pharisees and teachers of the law present and they're muttering away what jesus is saying and jesus teaches a whole series of uh, parables and uh, some other teachings in there things like, like the lost sheep where again like the one i just mentioned there the shepherd goes and finds the one that's lost there's the lost coin the lost son or the prodigal son story. There's the parable of the shrewd manager. Um, and in Luke 15, uh, 14, um, the, the Pharisees are described there as the Pharisees who loved money, heard all of this, and were sneering at Jesus. Um, and Jesus said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. So again, as Jesus is continuing his his the various stories and teachings of you, that's the context that we have. That's the that's Jesus' audience, who are the original listeners to Jesus' teaching, these tax collectors and sinners, and then the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And again, that helps us to understand a little bit as to what Jesus is trying to get at, some of the original intent here. So. Um, I'm going to have us imagine for something for a moment. I'm going to read the story again. And what I want you to do, before we go into some of our questions that we gave you, I want you to just pause for a moment and imagine that you're one of the Pharisees um, listening to Jesus teaching. I mean, you're, you, you already have a bit of a chip on your shoulder about Jesus. We, we covered that you know, each of our lessons, you know, the lesson, lessons, we're seeing this tension build between Jesus and the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, um, as Jesus is right side upping things. 
the, the cultural norms and things that, that Jesus is supposed to be following and how he's supposed to honor them and, and stuff, Jesus is, is going counter to that. Um, and something to remember with, as we listen to the story, and you're, you're a Pharisee, is that, again, you are a descendant of Abraham. And because of that, you think you're in. That you're, you're one of the chosen people, so God's going to bless you. Pharisees, especially, had also had the, the view that if, um, because you were wealthy, that was a sign of God's blessing. Um, so the fact that you were rich um, was evidence that God was blessing you. And so, um, so yeah, as you hear this parable again, and to, to also notice something in this story is that this, this rich man that ends up going into to Hades... Um, he wasn't uh, like an evil, wicked Gentile who they would have expected to go to a place of punishment. But this rich man was very obviously a Jew, because again, from what Abraham says. So, again, I'm going to read it again, and just imagine yourself as one of the Pharisees hearing this. And then we're going to go into some of our, our, our questions that we'd asked you know, earlier. So... So uh, here goes the teaching, and you're the Pharisees listening. So th there was a rich man, and if you're a Pharisee, you're going, hey, I'm a rich guy. So <laughs> you can associate right away. You're one of the rich people. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they may not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to, the, to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Hmm. So, as we hear that for the second time, and you're thinking, you're, you're putting yourself in the shoes of Pharisees, what are some thoughts that are coming to mind of Jesus teaching this parable with you being right there? You being a Pharisee, does anything stand out or surprise you a little bit? I guess 
I would be like, well, I don't have to worry about that. I listen to Moses and the prophets. Ah, uh, yep. I would be repulsed at the thought of someone who was once covered in sores, dipping their finger in water and touching my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, I mean, they had, they had all their clean rituals and cleansing and washing and stuff, so, yep. It... Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, what seems to be happening also in the, uh, the parable of uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector going up to the temple and, and praying. Uh, Jesus totally flipped uh, the order of what people perceived as um, who was right with God and who he wasn't, uh, where the tax collector would have been seen as definitely not right with God and the Pharisee right with God, but Jesus says the opposite, uh, uh, that the tax collector went home justified by God, and the Pharisee did not. And, and the same thing with this, uh, just turned it upside down. Uh, Pharisees believed in God and were rich, therefore, like you, you mentioned, they're in. Uh, Jesus says, no, they're not. Uh, and the one that you know, would be seen as being cursed by God because they're not rich, uh, that's the one who gets in. Yeah. This kingdom of God turned upside down there in their perspective. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, in one of the readings that I did in preparation for tonight, in one of the commentaries, it gave some, in, in a traditional, what, uh, rabbinic lore, like other stories that the Jews have or had, that it, it, it followed a very similar line, but often it was the, the rich, blessed, you know, righteous person who was then carried by the angels to Abraham's side or to paradise. Um, but here Jesus flips this around to, um, and they, they didn't go where, it, you know, they, the Pharisees would, would have expected to go. If, if the Pharisees were associating themselves with the rich rich person who was eating in luxury and mm-hmm. was dressed in fine linens, because this is describing the Pharisees very much so um, of their day, how would you have felt when you found out where that rich person ended up? If you were, again, following the story, you're, you're, you're going along, okay, yeah, I'm, that, that sounds like me, but then all of a sudden, whoop, instead of being carried to Abraham's side, where did you end up? In Hades or hell. In Hades or hell, place of the dead, you know? Well, that's been a bit of a surprise. Shocked and highly offended? Yeah, I, I, I mean... Jesus is not, uh, I mean, he, he doesn't hold back very much with, with the religious leaders, in, in, <laughs> as we find it in the Gospels. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jesus was, was he was again, knowing his audience, who he was speaking to. Um, yeah, he, he brought some, what are some of the key things? I mean, maybe, Brent, we can just jump to some of the key words. We, we asked that, I think, in the email. What are some of the key words or phrases or ideas that you're finding that you found in this um, in this in this story, and Brent, we can just play off each other here, go sure. back and forth a little bit with 
Good stuff. Well, mine was the comparison that there was between the rich man, the finest mansion, enjoying life, opulent luxury, and mm -hmm. the poor beggar who lay outside covered with boils and the dogs um, licked his sores and the food was the garbage of the rich man. And then I went into the comparison of after they died. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, it, it's filled with paradoxical or extreme contrast They're the the robes the beggar the feasts the crumbs you know comfort and dogs were licking the other guy's wounds you know dogs were dirty they were rejected yeah they, they were almost like the rats of the day those like scavenger dogs in the streets kind of thing would, would have been viewed like rats um what else popped so, out yeah. for people i guess unclean And so the rich man had all here on earth, and the poor man had nothing. Hmm. No. No. And wh where was the where was the the beggar or the poor man taken? How is that described? Abraham's side. Abraham's side. Does anyone have a different different trend or different uh, any different translation? Paradise. Paradise, yeah. It's to be with Abraham. To be with, to be with Abraham. Is it uh, King James or has Abraham's bosom? Is that? I think NIV even has that. Oh no, sorry, that's side NIV. So. Another the, one was standing in glory with Abraham. Mm-hmm. All the different words for heaven, right? It's all pointing towards heaven. Some form of heaven, yeah, again, how it's described here. What um, What else stood out to people? What other words besides the sort of the, the, the physical of the suffering and the and the comforts? Well, I might be uh, making a point from uh, absence words, but seeing that uh, the rich man when he died was given a uh, a very nice funeral and was probably say oh you know this this guy is in heaven whereas uh lazarus may not have had a funeral at all he might have just been thrown in garbage heap. dumpster yeah kind of thing yeah yeah and, and culturally that that would have been important like how how, how you were buried would have again, represented your from status to the importance of a, of a proper burial and you're right, likely the, the, the poor man, if he didn't have family, didn't have anybody caring for him, then mm -hmm. yeah, he would have ended up just whatever they would have done with the body. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Curious, was there anything in uh, your study that revealed why Jesus referred to the place where um, Lazarus went uh, by Abraham? Well, rather than saying heaven, is there anything that came up as to why it's referred to as Abraham's side or some or what? There's, there's a, oh, in one of the readings that within, within Jewish culture, that, that, that was the sort of the idea. Because they, within, I mean, these terms, um, where is it here? I mean, like the, the idea of, I mean, there's, there's different terms here. Hades, hell, uh, Sheol, I think it's a Hebrew term. 
the place of the dead. The it's the invisible, like after you die. Um, you, you get into things like in Revelation, where it talks about where 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 Hades and, and and death are thrown into the lake of fire. Um, something that, that's interesting, or something that, that one of the commentaries points out, is that within this story that Jesus is telling, he's not trying to give an extensive or an exhaustive. Uh, picture of the end times like he's not his, his purpose is not to try and make sure we get all the what's heaven and hell are gonna everything is gonna look like um so he's got he mixes a bit with because for some they um uh, hades was not necessarily the place of of your 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 permanent punishment um so but here we have this where the the rich man is experiencing this torment um, you know, he wants his, he wants his tongue cooled with a little bit of, of water. So, uh, uh, it's, it's an interesting mix here a little bit, but the idea of hell or Hades, the grave, um, again, Sheol, there, there is a heritage within the, um, Jewish culture of the Sheol being, uh, a place where Abraham and some of those were, and that being a, a place of paradise or, or such. So... I was just gonna say, yeah. What, I was just gonna say, as you're saying there, like the audience being being the Jews, it's like Abraham was the ultimate. You know, um, it would be ultimate bliss, Tony. When when I was studying it out, it's like to know that you'd be in Abraham's bosom or by his side to a Jew who was the audience in this story um, was bliss, was paradise. But, but even there, they have another term for, like, again, like, like a permanent place of, say, a punishment. Like, separate from heaven and paradise, again, they expect the wicked to be punished. They, again, they have a, there's another term, I don't know how you say it exactly, Gehenna. Uh, Gehenna or something like that? or something like that, yeah. That's more the, a term they would use for a, a permanent place of punishment um, and torment and, and such. Again, and the scriptures that describe that again, like the lake of fire. So, um, but 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 being at Abraham's side or in Abraham's bosom apparently is a, is a, is a Jewish. Like there would be a cultural thing there. Part of that has to do. I mean, you talked about how the um, the feasting that the, the rich man is experiencing, but there's this feast in heaven, and the idea. I mean, we see it with um, in some of the other stories where they they would recline on each other. You know, a place of honor was you're, you're reclining by the host. I mean, Abraham would have been, and here would have been an important figure here. So the idea of the the, the poor man reclining or in, in Abraham's bosom against his chest, finding comfort and okay, that's part of this feast. Again, there's some that, some commentaries that, that take it that way of of uh, contrasting again the, the the rich feast that the, the rich man had sumptuously eating and extravagantly eating on earth and now the, the the poor beggar is now enjoying this feast with abraham again it's not described in the in the passage but that's how some view it it could be like that so okay plus they thought um like especially the pharisees would say that it was father abraham they go back mm -hmm. their lineage goes back so they wouldn't expect that this poor beggar would have Father Abraham as their as his father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, and I mean, they they both could have been Jews and and, and have heritage that way. But yes. again, how the especially if you were a Pharisee, religious leader, rich, 
you would not expect to have um, have that be the main character that's being in Abraham's bosom. They would have expected to be there in the story. Right. I'm a Pharisee. I followed all the rules. I was all the you know. I'm the righteous person. I'm rich and blessed. I would be reclining against Abraham's bosom mm-hmm. in, in an honored in an honored place. Um, yeah, so it would have been shocking for them. Well, that's something. That. Yeah. Sorry? That's something we'll... For me, from Luke 16.31, when he says, He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Yeah. What, what, what thoughts with that, uh, Brett? Um, well, I guess showing the, the hardness of heart and the pride that Jesus was pointing out that... You know, there was Moses and the prophets, they had all that, but um, they refused even to do that. Well, I guess you're saying that in all their lives, they weren't listening to Moses and the prophets. And then he's making kind of a foreshadowing, too. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah. It's, it's subtle, but it's the idea, even if someone rises from the dead, and we know who's going to rise from the dead, and yet they're still not going to believe. Um, you know, any other so, thoughts or, or things that stood? Get caught up in uh, thinking that, oh, if there's only, uh, there could be a, some great miracle happen, then uh, people would just flock to the Lord. And uh, that's, you know, what can be a greater miracle than someone rising from the dead? Yeah. Uh, that's still not enough for a lot of people. And we have it within Jesus' life. Even, I mean, if there was a person named Lazarus that was that Jesus actually raised from the dead, right? And some people try to make some comparisons with this story here. Jesus doesn't make it a direct connection, but there's some that make that connection. Uh, but I mean, Jesus raised from the dead um, while, while he was on earth here. So, um, any, other, any other thoughts or even questions that come in? come to mind as you you're reading this does the I'm curious if the uh, when Abraham replies if that caught anybody's attention there where it says son in uh, I think it's verse 25 son remember your lifetime as Abraham addresses the rich man yes that did catch my attention I mean, there, there's another there's another contrast where there there is so much tied up in the religious leaders thinking between as we we sort of have, we glance past some of this quickly, but you know his lineage, you know being a perhaps a direct descendant of Abraham, um, you know being a Jew, being rich, there was these things that should, in his mind should have granted him access to heaven. So here it's like Abraham's like almost confronting it head on, saying, "Son." Like, <laughs> You were of my line, and you're here. You are in hell, uh, or in Hades. Um, you know, so there, there's a shift. That this whole, this whole account is talking of a shift, as Jesus is is um, walking through his his earthly ministry, um, from what they all expected and thought, to what Jesus is truly revealing, um, for how our life here counts for eternity and. And uh, goes on. So yeah, that 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 caught my attention. You know, as I was looking at that, I'm like, huh, he's calling him son here, and I don't know if it was a term of 
you know, kind of being used as a term of endearment, but I just look at it at face value for that. And I'm like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, my, my translation says child. And I was just kind of, when you brought it up, I was just kind of thinking the idea, like, I wonder what the word study on it is, because it could also be that bit of like, look, you who thinks you are so mature in your life, mm. you are so immature, you are so young, you are so naive kind of thing. I wonder if that's part of the implication as well there. Yeah, and and it was a transition, yeah, likely. I mean, I think it was a whole transition too from where they thought it was a literal, if you were a literal descendant, a child of Abraham or whatever, you would be inherit eternal life, but it's like it's being transitioned to like, no, it's like, are you a spiritual child of Abraham, so to speak? Have you come God's way alone, which is by faith? <clears throat> yeah, well, just do a quick word study. And one of the uses of that term, because it is a child, like an offspring, a son or a daughter, and one of its uses is, is an affectionate term. Um, but it's also, um, it's also in the sense of a people or, or a, a student as well. So, again, multiple purposes and how that term is used in other places. Hmm. Um, Mine actually says my friend. Interesting. Hmm. So he's not talking with anger or anything else. He's trying to address them. I would say just like God addressed Adam. Yeah. And the other people were saying that he's giving him, he gave him chances on earth. Well, it's like you see even compassion doled out there, like yeah. when it transitions from verse 25 to 26, where it's like he's reminding him of the things he enjoyed on earth and he's getting his just punishment. But he says it's almost like when he transitions to verse 26, when it says, and besides all this, it's, it's like saying like, and even if I could do something, there's this great chasm that's set in place, it says. So that was like, it's almost like if I wanted to cheat the system, I couldn't. There's this great chasm. I can't do anything about it. You know, um, and he says, no, no, no one can cross over. Did, did the awareness kind of shock anybody? I'm curious. The awareness of, of both what they could see and experience. R remember, I mean, our picture here shows the bodies, but at this point in time, without going too, too deep, I'll just kind of touch on it quick. But I mean, it was just their spirits that would be there at that point in time, their spirit soul. But yet they're experiencing so much here. Did that catch anyone's thinker? <laughs> what you started out with is that key about how we live our life here on earth is what to expect when we do uh, go to be with God. Mm -hmm. And that very, very much comes here that there is that chasm. We've had our chance here on earth, just like his brothers have their chance here on earth. Yeah. yeah. He, he instantly becomes an evangelist in, in Hades. <laughs> so quick, send it to my brothers. Send someone to my brothers. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I found it interesting that as, again, his own sensation, again, he's, he's experiencing torment and like he's feeling things and he's seeing things again he's seeing abraham and uh um and lazarus you know you know in, in, uh, four ways off but um yeah those sense those senses are still there 
So it's this whole, yeah, he, he put his trust in, in, in his heritage. He put his trust in, in uh, his riches and, and it got him to this place of, of eternal torment, didn't it? Something I just find interesting, I'm not sure if it's been said not yet or not, uh, but just the idea of when we have um, the rich man talking, we don't see a man who is defending his position while he was on earth. <laughs> he's not saying that he was in the right. He's not saying that, like, look, I, well, this is what I deserve to be up there in heaven. I deserve to be um, all these things. It's just you have him saying, have mercy on me. It's, it's almost as if, like, yeah, they, we were talking about them seeing each other, and you can see both sides of the, of the chasm, but you can't cross it. But it's almost as if it's just assumed there's a realization as you come uh, into death that you know who God is and who you were. Yeah. I, just, that's something that kind of caught me in this passage as well. Well, cause yeah, he, he, he's seeing across that chasm and he's, he's asking for Lazarus to give him a, a some, some form of relief. And, you know, it talks here, meta, I don't know, of the water, right? So yeah, he's seeing, he's experiencing. I think, I think it's all unveiled. <laughs> like you're saying, Kevin, he's seeing it all. Um, did you have something there, Craig, too, to say? Well, I was just thinking about, uh, even, it's interesting that, uh, again, he, it's the absence of him trying to defend himself and make make his case for why why can't I be with Abraham. Um, yeah, it's interesting how that's, that's not there. I find it interesting as well, though, that he's, he, there's, even though he's in Hades experiencing his torment, um, there's still this entitled side of him he's not hasn't humbled himself completely because he's still trying to order Lazarus around like he, as if he's entitled to tell Lazarus what to do <laughs> Father Abraham have Lazarus come and take care of me um my so, servant have, have Lazarus yeah go back because <laughs> totally he, he might have realized he's, he's where he deserves to be but there's still an aspect of the of the character that's coming out here yeah so anyways yeah and it seems he has no confidence that any of his brothers are any different than he was. And, you know, and are deserving to go, just as deserving to go to Hades as he is. Yeah, he's already knowing that that, that Moses and the prophets and the commandments didn't humble them. Being just as lost as he, he was. Yeah. Let's flip over to another story. The second story that we have on our, our slide there, the rich young ruler, or the rich young man, it gives us a little bit of insight as to why that rich, that rich man who's in Hades might be saying, hey, Father Abraham, send somebody back. Because um, what, we, what we find in the story of the rich, rich young man gives us some insight as to what might have been going on. So that's uh, Mark chapter 10, um, 17 through 30. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Is there somebody who wants to read 17 through 30? I can. Great. I promise there won't be distractions throughout. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, 
<laughs> Why do you call me good? No one is a good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with uh, persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Yeah. And 31? Sure, yeah, read 31 too. Yeah. <laughs> but many who are first will be last and the last first. There we go. Yeah, that's, that's part of the clip, right? Um, yeah, Chris, we include that. So, but we have this rich young man, right? And he, he is coming, he runs up to Jesus, and he asks this great question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about eternity here, so he's looking for eternal life. And, I mean, what, how, what, what is this, 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 this rich young man's... Uh, posture here really although he's kneeling at jesus feet as as we read this story what what's really going on in, in the heart of this, of this rich young man i think he feels that he's a pretty good person <laughs> i'm wondering if he just wants jesus endorsement hey son hey you've already got it figured out you're rich you know you're you're religious um well, even as he asks, what must I do? He, like, kind of piggybacking off what you're saying there, Brett. It's like he's suggesting I've got the capacity to, to tackle what it is you'll lay out before me. Self, yeah. So there's a self-righteousness, eh? Yeah, it's almost as if he was coming not necessarily for um, God to tell him what he needed to do, but he uh, already had this heart posture of, I'm already there. I'm just going to just confirm it in front of other people to say, oh, look, look at this guy. And yeah. I think that's and part of it was where the sorrow came from. Not that he had to go sell everything. It was the idea of, oh, shoot, I'm not quite there. <laughs> Man, if Jesus was just a little more seeker friendly, he would have like run after him and really converted him, hey? <laughs> Can I mute Brent? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, you kind of touched on something there, Kevin. I just said that as a joke, but uh, like, yeah, he was, there was other people. He came almost like he said to receive endorsement and for others to witness it. But like, was Jesus, who is Jesus saying this for? Was Jesus saying it for that man? I mean, he was surrounded by these people as we have in the picture depicted. I don't know if you have, uh, I think it's 32 there, Craig. Um, slideshow 32, but. Um, slideshow 32. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, who who is it for? What do you think? What do you think uh, Jesus is trying to teach the the original audience here? 
Well, you almost get this, the concept of those who are proud will be humbled. Yeah, well, the, the word says that too, right? The, the proud will be stiff-armed, really. The humble will be lifted. Well, if you go all the way back to the, the Ten Commandment lesson, um, way back, however long ago that was, um, and part, part of what was the purpose of the Ten Commandments when, when God gave those um, to Israel? Was it for them to be able to do all of those perfectly? To point out even more blatantly how pathetic they will be at ever trying to get there on their own. Yeah, there was an exposing of weakness, right? An uh, ineptness. <laughs> Hopefully it would humble them to go, and we need God. And the idea of God's deliverance, um, the deliverer that's going to come, we can't do it. We need someone to help us. Um, so even as Jesus mentions to the, the rich young man, here, how about these commandments? Instead of him going, oh, man, I, I can't do those perfectly. I'm not doing that. And, I kept them since I was a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so proud, self-righteous. Just a real focus on, on, on self and what they can do, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, that last verse is, you know, consider himself among perhaps the first. Um, and uh, rather than looking to, and I'm just, it's, I'm not sure if I'm uh, reading more into what he calls Jesus, like good teacher, was he kind of seeing Jesus as uh, an exceptional rabbi, but not anything more you know just uh it's, it's like the focus isn't on that he needed to believe in jesus more of you know you know i'm pretty good but j just in case i'm not quite good enough you know what can i do to be good enough hmm. well i think jesus counters him right off you know being one who's fully god and sees all things he rebukes him in a sense by saying right away i'm not good no one's good but god so in his like, because it's almost like the rich man came to him in his humanness, in Jesus's humanness, saying, "You're a great teacher," and Jesus is like, "No, I'm not a great teacher. I'm not a good teacher. There's no such a thing." And and so I think it, I don't know if it was a platitude on behalf of the rich man or uh, or uh, yeah, just like trying to flatter him so he could kind of get the insider scoop. <laughs> I think it was trying to challenge him, uh, the rich man, as to to wrestle with who he was speaking with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you have a, a pretty stark contrast there between the rich man's attitude and what he comes in and says, and Jesus's attitude and what he comes and what he says, and it's that idea of the rich man coming all proud, and, and then Jesus, who we know to be the one who is God, is the exact opposite, and it almost as a, a statement there is made more so than what he says after. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it seems like word there you said that him being proud and and that was his stance that he was pride prideful and it was um a barrier between him actually having eternal life and it's one of these things that i have here says what is the barrier that we have that keeps yeah. us from god it's not for us to necessarily sell everything but there it, what kind of a barrier do we have that um, we're proud of yeah. You get the you get the gold star for that, Judy, because, I mean, it says there, like, the challenge that Jesus gives is how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And with our last story, it was the rich man who went to hell. So 
Is it richness? Is it is it these th- is it the obstacle that sends you to to hell or in, keeps you separated from Jesus, or is it something more like what you're hitting on there, Judy? Yeah, what barrier is causing us from being close to God too? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as you broaden the understanding of richness, I mean, here it's, it seems to be more hitting on on uh, wealth, like uh, prosperity or whatever. But I mean, we, we are we are rich. I mean. Um, in the financial sense, globally speaking. But we're also rich in many other ways in that we have access to the word. We have the completion of the word. We have it in our language. We have pastors and teachers and translators and commentaries. We're, we're rich in knowledge. Um, so even with that, what barriers do we have? What is Jesus warning us through the, these stories? And one thing it seems to concentrate the difference between rich man and poor man, like what do we do with our resources? Do we give to the poor? Do we help the poor? Do we help others that are in need? In a lot of his parables, he talks about that. What do we do for others? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do we live in this sense of self-preservation and self-provision, or do we look to the one alone who is the ultimate provider of all things, not just to survive, but, but eternity, uh, and give generously as he is generous. I think, I think that, um, the the young ruler said he kept all the commandments, but then when Jesus tells him to sell everything, he won't, he doesn't want to. It's really proof that he hasn't kept all the commandments. He missed number one, which is (laughs) you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, Right. Have no other gods before me. Yeah, and obey. <laughs> yeah. And in the law of Moses, there was definitely provisions where, by which there should not have been any poor among among them, because uh, they there were things in place that if they followed them, the poor would have been taken care of. Taken care of. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting and, statement. Yeah. And. and, and an interesting thing that I find too is, you know, after telling to go and sell all the possession and give money to the poor, you'll have pe- treasures in heaven. He says a second thing, then come follow me. And the man walked away. He's basically saying, my stuff is worth more to me. You're not worth that much to follow. Yeah. So should we, should Who we... do you think you are? that I should give up everything to follow you. Yeah, yeah and it's, as we as the two stories together, again, this is just part of what, what we wanted to have this, is that with this rich young man, as we're seeing from the self-righteousness, and from, you would have been a child of Abraham, you know, or, uh, you know, heritage there, rich again, um, thought he was okay. He thought, yeah, I'm following the commandments. Here are the commandments that Moses and the prophets gave us, I'm following them. Again, we're seeing the attitude here. Uh, as far as he thought he was doing okay, but my guess, again, that he, like you just pointed out, like Judy, you know, he's, he's met or Becky. He's just he's got that. He's not following that first one or the second one because you know he's not other gods. There's idols, um, lots of other commandments about taking care of others, um, as you just mentioned there, Tony. So, um, and then we're seeing that wealth was one of those barriers. From self-righteousness, he's, he was deceived. What is that? Uh, what is that passage about? Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Like he's, he was self-deceived. 
um, Jeremiah there. Um, but so as we look at the rich man and Lazarus, because we go back to that story, again, this, the rich young, rich young man gives us perspective as to what is with this guy that he was rich and ended up in, in Hades. Um, he probably had a very similar idea of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm from the line of Abraham, probably his, his own religiousness, you know, as a Jew, self-righteousness, he would have viewed himself, but he had no idea about following, truly following the, the laws. Would have probably, he probably was religious, Again, we, we don't know that from the story, probably looked all fine and dandy. Um, a legalist, really. <laughs> legalist, again, but, and this is part of what Jesus is pushing on with the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders is on the outside. What was that one verse where it says, you know, it says you're like whitewashed tombs. You know, you look great on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones. Because it's, it's, you look good, and you can say all these great things, and you think you're doing well. But unfortunately, how they're living their lives here, how they're, how they're conducting themselves, what the choices they're making... Things are doing, things are not doing. Um, where they're putting their faith um, has that eternal consequence mm-hmm. for them, and that's part of what, what Jesus is getting at with the story. That if they were again, if I was a fair, if I was a tax collector or a sinner, I'd be going, "Man, I love this story that Jesus just told." They had an angel when they, when they, when they died. You know, they, an angel took them to, to Abraham's side and, and you know, leaning against him and in paradise. And if I, was a, if I was a Pharisee, I'd be going, I think Jesus is trying to <laughs> point something out for me that I don't really want to think about or I really want to hear. Because hmm. it would have highlighted for them very clearly barriers for them. So, Brandon, some final questions you want to bring us to? Yes, I find one more thing that's very interesting that the... Um, this one about the rich young ruler is found in three of the Gospels, and the other one is only found in one Gospel. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but, I wonder if there's a possibility that the rich young ruler or the rich man in uh, Mark 10 may have cut Jesus off in verse 20. Because hmm. it seems like Jesus is going through the Ten Commandments, and but he hasn't quite finished them yet. Uh, and did he possibly interrupt as a teacher? I've obeyed all these commandments, and uh, <laughs> and I'm just wondering because you know the final of the Ten Commandments is you shall not covet, and I wonder if that's oh. what Jesus nailed him on. Mm-hmm. Mm. I nailed, nailed him on a few of them, I think. So that, that's I, pretty cool to see. Just by the posture, <laughs> you could almost imagine that you could see this young guy doing that, cutting off Jesus, and saying, "Oh yeah, I got it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that that has no. happened, but so I just yeah. wondering. You know, he's Jesus seemed to be going through the Ten Commandments pretty strong there, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it no. stops. Yeah, yeah, get to the point, kind of attitude. <laughs> <laughs> just, just give me that check mark. Let everybody know that I'm great, and yeah. that's yeah. Pat, pat me on the back. <laughs> so, so again, let's go back to our, the main story then. Um, again, because they're both connected here. The, the truths that we're still finding here, but 
the bigger truth is this eternal truth that we're trying to get at. Um, so, um, Frank, do you have anything right there? Or do you, I, there's yeah. one, one of our questions we've written down here that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. If you, well, if you have something on the mind, I was going to, yeah, well, go for it. I, I'm just going to flip it around. I'm put it back for us as, as a group to, to, if you could summarize the main thing, you know, that Jesus is teaching, get thinking of Jesus' original audience who's listening here. Well, how would you summarize the main thing Jesus is teaching in this parable or the story of the, the rich man and Lazarus? In a way, I kind of see a connection back to when Jesus talks to Nicodemus. He's saying, you know, to be saved, you must truly be born again. Talking about a complete rebirth, complete change, change of heart. Yeah. And he's, it, there, there's a whole, I think, uh, again, the right side up, and he, he's changing people, changing their thinking from what they thought. Like you bring up that, where, yeah, he had to be born again, not of flesh, but of spirit. And then here it's like all these guys are coming at him with the old covenant, the Mosaic law. And, and he's trying to expose them back to the original lesson, back with um, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel of how how are we to approach God, but by faith. And so Jesus in his ministry here is continuing to point out this this new covenant and re re reaffirming basically how things were meant to be from the beginning, by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Not in wealth, not in our prideful, what we bring to the table. What do we, what do we, um, I mean, as we bring this down, I think boiling it down to, to us here today, it's always easy for us to sort of like look out there and point our finger, yeah, those rich people, those proud, proud people. But um, how, how do you guys kind of take this down to your world? What What are your obstacles? I mean, Judy, you kind of mentioned barriers, but... Beyond the the wealth, I mean, as believers, where do we where do we have hangups? Where do we where do we fall short with coming to God by faith alone in Jesus alone? Well, not sure if this is part of what you might be getting at, but uh, sometimes uh, we can have the idea in. Um, Christian circles that oh, I just attend the right church, I'm in. Hmm. Interesting, or, yeah. Or, or, you know, yeah, we may not look to being uh, descendants of Abraham the same way the Jews did, um, but we may um, think too that oh, I came from a Christian family, uh, and so I'm good, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when I uh, when I was dating my my wife, um, because I have a Mennonite background, um, <laughs> and she has a her her, her family like a Russian Mennonite. Her her opa, if you weren't Mennonite, you weren't you couldn't be a Christian. So because I have some kind of Mennonite background, I I was okay, thankfully. But as far as far as he was concerned, if you weren't Mennonite, you couldn't be a believer. Um, so. 
I mean, it was one of those things. I mean, there were some other things that were, were a little off and, and some other doctors and thinking of things, but uh, we can have those kind of things. Yeah, so we can all we can all have hurdles, right? Even whether you're a believer or, or, or not. I mean, the biggest one we're talking of here is, is not being a believer and affecting your eternity. But even as believers, things can affect eternity in terms of the abundant life here and now going forward. Um, but... Um, I think, too, another aspect I just want to kind of like shift a little bit here. Um, as we think of the hook and, and eternity, as I was saying at the beginning of the lesson, it's like we can be excited about eternity, but what what are things out there today that people would push against eternity, um, that there isn't an eternity or or things can change maybe behind the curtain of, of here and now to eternity, the afterlife? What are, um, yeah. What are, what are the lies out there about eternity? You mean like there is nothing after we die? Yeah. This is our yeah. life? Yeah. yeah, that'd be yeah. for sure one. Or that we, uh, like reincarnation, we'll, we'll just uh, have another chance at it. We'll just always have another chance. Right. Uh, yeah. Or the Catholic purgatory that oh okay i'm in purgatory but that's okay my family will pay enough whatever they call it indulgences in order to get me out of here uh you know like there could be somehow another chance uh if we don't make the choose to believe in and trust christ here in this life yeah yeah god is love therefore he wouldn't send anybody to hell yeah, right. There. Especially yeah. forever. Especially yeah. without being annihilated. For sure. I mean, what are the and what is the truth of what we're learning in these stories tonight? Can you cross back and forth? Can you come back? Can you petition to to change things down on earth? What have these true accounts taught us? None of that. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we we've learned that that that. Well, let's let's lay it out there. The man went there. the The rich man went to Hades. Could he cross over? No. No. Could, could he petitioned to have a drink of water? Could did that happen? Was that granted? No. No. Did the. No what's that? There was no relief. No relief. Right. Could he send, could he have, like, could his brothers receive a, a special warning? Was his request, was that request even granted? No. So, no, uh, not like he's asking for, but uh, did it happen? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I just quickly want to run through those just to say, like, yeah, like, I mean, we see there's proof of eternity as we hold up the scripture as our source of authority. Uh, we see there is a chasm that can't be spanned. So there is no going between. You, you, you know, it's the here and now that determines where you go in the afterlife, where you go after you, you, you know, your body fails you and, and your, your spirit and soul are released. Um, it, it's fixed. It's permanent. It's eternal. Um, it's, your, it's, your, it's your Hebrews 9, 27 kind of thing where people, you're de destined to die once and then after that, the judgment, the final judgment. Yeah, thanks. So... Um, 
There was one other thing here I was going to say. So as I mean, as we continue to touch upon riches and 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 the poor, it, it I think we can confidently see that it's not it's not the riches that sent them to hell. It's not the it's not poverty that sent Lazarus to heaven. It's not these things that earned them either. Correct. It's it it, it comes back to faith in God alone. So. What do we what do we depend upon? You know, what do we depend upon to to provide for us, to provide rescuing from our sin, to provide um yeah, eternal life, the abundant life. Is it is it something outside of what God has outlined or is it something more which will fall short? Um I mean we don't have to answer that, but just a question I wanted to wanted to put out there. Who or what do you depend upon? Is it anything more than Jesus and Jesus alone? One thought I had, or this is going back a bit, if that's all right, for um, like the implications for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. With the, um, you know, the first will be last, the last will be first, and, you know, storming up treasures in heaven, how it's so it's natural for us to think only about this life and how we're going to invest now Mm -hmm. where it's, it is unnatural for us to think, okay, or to invest in eternity with putting what's now secondary. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And again, within this, within this lesson, depending on, on, if you were teaching this or sharing these passages, I mean, if, if there's someone who doesn't know Jesus, I mean, that whole challenge of do you even believe in eternity? Do you have all that kind of stuff? But I think for, for us, again, I don't know all of you really, really well, but uh, but the idea of if we're all believers, if our faith is already in Jesus, for our sin to be forgiven, the question of then what, what, what do we do with that then? Um, again, for this lesson, it could be, you could be, you could take it as simply as a salvation message and go, yeah, you know, I'm not the, the rich guy. I'm not putting my faith in myself. I'm not doing the self-righteous thing. Um, so I'm not going to go to Hades or hell. Um, but the question of, of how, how, how shall we live? And I think that's sort of what you're getting at there a little bit with, with, your, with your comment there. Um, if we know where our, our, our eternity is set, um, then what, what are we going to do with this? Uh, it'd be too easy to just take this lesson and sort of I'll set it over here with that's a salvation kind of thing. If someone doesn't know Jesus, they need to they don't, they don't want to be a rich man. They don't want to go to Hades and leave it there. But what are some things that we, that we can take out of this lesson, out of these stories here for us? Um, from barriers that might keep us from following. I mean, however, I forget whoever made that comment about um, the idea with, with the rich, rich young man of, you know, it was to sell your stuff. You know, give up that idol and come follow me. Um, are we willing to give up whatever it might be, whatever barrier, um, to come and follow Jesus fully? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there other thoughts on that? Well, I think it, I think it's a good one to just to to park on as as we part ways. Is well, yeah, what will you carry forward this week and? Uh, I know I know some light has become unmuted on, on one of these people here that I've oh. heard from yet. Uh, <laughs> is that Dave? That's probably Alan or 
Or is it... AJ. I wasn't sure if someone else was going to make a comment there. But... It's Dave. Is there, is there anyone that hasn't said much that, that wants to, to put a comment in here or, or add something to this conversation? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I saw the mic, the mute symbol come off there, so I thought maybe you want to give, I want to give you a chance to say something if you want to say something. So. All right, well, Brent, where, where do you want to go here? Well, I think, <clears throat> as you mentioned, you know, laying foundational truths for somebody else who's, who, who might be in your guys' life and who might not even believe in eternity. I mean, the verse uh, from Ecclesiastes 3.11 comes to my mind, that God has set eternity on their heart, on our hearts. And so I think, you know, for ourselves, yes, there's a difference as we remember eternity and its implications of how we live here and now. But then also for those in our circles of influence, it's like you can know that just... You remember I mentioned a while ago that man in Australia who, when he got out of prison and was born again, he wrote Eternity all over Sydney, I think it was, or Melbourne, and, and many came to faith because it just sparked an imagination in people of like, right, Eternity, like, it kind of brought to mind, like, what about Eternity? Well, I think, like, the, the word here talks, and unless I'm reading it incorrectly here, but, you know, there's a, there is an intrigue about what's next, you know, and that's why a lot there's a lot of deathbed conversions is because people are it's on their heart. It's just they might suppress it or be distracted with the comforts in the here and now. So I think as we go forward, you know, as we identify as believers, followers of Jesus, um, and we want to be ambassadors and witnesses to others, let's remember that God has written eternity on people's hearts. And and we we can go forward with, you know, a statement to a person such as, just imagine if there was an eternity after this. How would that change how you're living now? Would you want to know what comes next? I know, like I have something that can tell us, and, and I can share that, or you know, just just to get the get, get the imagination pumping, you know, uh, of, uh, of for discussion with a person who might otherwise just say, "Well, I, I'm I'm happy with what I've got now. I don't need to think about eternity." It's like you know, if you can just spark their imagination on eternity, you might set a flame, um, a great opportunity for discipling that person. Hmm. Any other comments before we before we wrap up or what? comments, questions? Things you're gonna wrestle with and apply this week. <laughs> well I can say this was a very interesting meeting where I can't see anybody but myself and Craig. <laughs> so Brent, you, you can still see me, but you can't see the other no, I even tried turning my video off for a while just to see if that would offload my internet to help bring others in, but it didn't seem to change anything. Um, yeah, turn my video off there. By sight. What's that, Tony? You're teaching by faith, not by sight. <laughs> Something like that. Well, any. It could be the internet too, because I know um, last Tuesday we tried to do a Zoom. Bible study and yet Je- 